0: Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute.
1: In today's episode of the Out of the Question podcast, I have with me a veteran teacher who has clocked 30 plus years of educating in Christian school environments and has served in his current capacity at Cornerstone Christian School in the Sacramento area of California since 1995, teaching high school students. Greg Uttinger is also a husband and a father of three daughters and a longtime student of R.J. Rushdoony and a good friend to the Calcedon Foundation, serving as a writer in our publications and has edited many of Dr. Rush Dooney's books for republication. Today, we will be pursuing the question, has the role of the teacher changed in a postmodern world? Thanks for joining me, Greg. Thank
0: you, Andrew. It's good to be here. Good to talk to you
1: again. Well, good. Now, you know, There are a lot of people who are very despondent about the future and there's this caricature of young people as uh, those who are tied to their smartphones and are not interested in the past, the future, and their present is only about latest trends in fashion or pop culture. You've been at this for a while. Do you think the average Student, high school student, has changed dramatically in the years that you've been teaching.
0: Well, I don't know them all, so it's I, I, I can venture a guess from what I see. In in a sense, no, because human nature is human nature. I think some things are coming out clearer as we've lost our Christian moorings and bur- burnt up Christian capital that other. previous generations enjoyed but the the same worldliness takes many forms and there are things that that kids do now because of the technology available to them that are annoying sometimes harmful sometimes blatantly rebellious That aren't that much different from what previous generations have done they just have limited technology and different ways of going about it so human nature does not frighten me. I don't think it should frighten anybody uh, if we believe in the God of Scripture. Now, if we don't, yeah, every reason to be terrified and go out and burn it all down, run for the hills. But in light of the word of God and our risen Lord, uh, there's nothing really to be afraid of. Concerned, yeah. But there's always been things to be concerned about. The souls of our children are always things to be concerned about. Souls of our students are things we should be concerned about and apply ourselves diligently to with much prayer. But have kids changed? I don't think so. I really don't. I don't see that kind of change.
1: Right. And you happen to have had three daughters who mm-hmm. went through high school years, or I think you're close to yeah. being done with them in high school. Oh, they're out of high school. Now. They're out of high school. Okay. So you've been a teacher, as you've also been the father of high school students. Mm -hmm. Do you find that students at a Christian school are automatically better students than you might find in a homeschool environment or even in a state school?
0: Uh, Automatically better? No. Uh, The advantage that we theoretically have is that parents put their kids in our school because they want a particular kind of education. And by the time they're done reading our mission statement um, and all of the stuff that we have up on our uh, webpage, they know what we're about. Some don't get it. Some really get it. And the parents who really get it and say, this is where I want my kid. See, we already have parents who share the same worldview who are, who care about their kids who care about relating a Christian, the Christian worldview, to their kids, and in, hate to say, indoctrinating, but discipling them thoroughly in terms of it. So we have great parents mostly. Does that make a difference? Yeah. Should um, homeschoolers be in the same position? I would hope, but I think you probably know from working with homeschoolers that not all homeschoolers are created equal, nor are all parents who send their kids to Christian schools created equal. Some right. get what we're all about, and what we're trying to do, and some don't. And we tend to get, now you also ask to compare to, to public schools. Better than public schools? Yeah. Um, example, we uh, took on a, a new teacher this year just recently who was teaching. He was one of ours. He was a graduate of ours. And he went to the public schools hoping to make a difference. He found out he was babysitting and doing traffic control and maybe acting a security guard. He literally could do no teaching. Uh, And the the things he could not say, like, you're a girl and you're a boy, just were so frustrating to him. He came to us and was, oh, this is so I can talk about Christianity. I can talk about the Bible. I can tell people what I really believe. So are the public schools bad? Yeah, mostly beyond belief. I'm sure there are exceptions a little out of the way places, but... Um, Do we have advantages? Yeah. Even the best of our, or the worst of our parents um, are nominally Christian, uh, claim to be more than nominally Christian, claim to go to church, claim to do family devotions, claim to believe the basic confession uh, centered around the Trinity and Christ and salvation by grace. So is that an advantage? Yep. It's a wonderful advantage, but does it solve everything? No. And are we trouble free? Absolutely not.
1: Yeah. And also, they're paying out of pocket. So even if they strictly take a consumer point of view, they at least want some bang for their buck.
0: You would think, and that's generally true. Uh, there are some within particular cultures who see it more as a status symbol. Uh, some people who come from Europe. Um, Eastern Europe in particular, they, they, their culture says you send your kids to Christian schools, but they don't always understand why that is. And as long as the kid's in Christian school and nothing seems to be going wrong, they don't inquire too closely. And sometimes we've had trouble with that. Your kid is misbehaving. Your kid is a problem. Um, and they don't, sometimes they don't want to hear that. Some do. And and amazing number of uh, parents who have come to our school and have have picked up on what we're trying to do in our own worldview and approach have ended up leaving the churches they were in for churches that are more theologically sound, more activist, more evangelical. Um, So there there are reciprocal effects here, but yet things that love for your kids would be enough to make you want the best education possible for them. But that requires work. And some parents are just swamped with their own work and some sadly don't care that much. As long as they push their kid into a Christian school, they figure it's all taken care of. Yeah. And from my experience with homeschoolers, sometimes it's the same way we're homeschooling. Therefore, everything's fine. And the question is, well, what does homeschooling look like?
1: Right. And a homeschool is going to look different for individual people because I've always maintained what homeschoolers have in common is what they don't do It's not what they actually do.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of truth there.
1: Now, I saw a quote recently because, you know, socialization is always the big thing for homeschool. But even in a small Christian school, the criticism sometimes would be, oh, the children aren't socialized. But this quote I saw that said, education is a slow process, but socialization is quick. And (laughs) socialization is having everybody think alike. How do you? instruct your students in such a way? Cause you've been doing this for a while and you get a new crop, you know, every four years. Um, how do you help them realize they have to do more work than you do? It, it
0: seems to me that there are three or four things going on in that question. I'm not sure I can sort them all out. Uh, I think the accusation against homeschoolers first is an assumption if you go, if you're not hanging around other kids, you can't, I, you can't relate to other people. You can't carry on a decent conversation. Well, if parents are involving their kids at church and with other homeschoolers and in, they're getting them summer jobs and they're hanging out with grandma and grandpa, they have all kinds of opportunities to learn to talk to people just fine. Thank you. And the same thing's true for Christian schools. Right. So that in and of itself is not an issue. But sometimes the issue becomes um, children do not normally automatically know how to be polite. They don't automatically know how to carry on a conversation. And have we seen some awkward kids come into our school? Oh, yeah, I could name them. Um, Sometimes there's a learning disorder involved. Uh, uh, Sometimes there's some kind of, well, as you say, they're on the spectrum someplace. Uh, And sometimes it's just that rude. Uh, okay, get over yourself and say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Or that was, did, you were just rude to that kid. Go, go ask her forgiveness. And, and we do that. There's a good deal of, no, you're not going to talk that way to other people. No, you will show respect to the other teachers. I don't care if you don't think he's a good teacher. You're going to go apologize. And then you're going to sit in that classroom. You're going to listen. And if you have legitimate questions, a little bit of grievances, we, we have ways of dealing with that. So that's a thing. But my experience with teaching, and I would assume it works with parents, at least in our house, that if parents are respectable and will listen and will be corrected by their children, Dad, uh, I talked to you, you said something that really hurt me. Okay, dear, sorry about that. Please tell me. Um, children grow up socializing just great, and it's not a major concern to anybody. The one thing that might get in the way, though, is pride. I was Christian schooled. I was homeschooled. I know more than you do. Yeah, I found out when my I graduated from a Christian school and when I went to junior college. I found out there were a lot of kids who were as polite as I was, who were smarter than I was, who got better grades than I was. I mean, that's a straight A student. But um it I I had competition on all fronts. And sometimes the pagans are in fact nicer, better mannered can communicate better, more personable, more charismatic. And sometimes Christ does choose the the weak and lowly things. And we have to learn to put a little bit of polish on our act. That's part of growing up and part of
1: learning. Right. So part of the question I also said is that in a environment where someone's going to be educated, where they're going to be useful, where they're going to understand their history and the present and help shape the future in many cases. And I've done teaching in both Christian schools and homeschool and tutoring. One of the first things I have to get people to understand is you have to care more than I do about your future, (laughs) you know, and well, ideally,
0: yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's like at some point somebody has to realize that a person can teach, but they can't make you learn.
0: Yeah, and that's a hard one for teachers, and I suppose for for homeschool parents as well, for any parent. You want your kid. I mean, this is simple covenantal post-millennial thinking. The next generation should be better than the past generation because we've processed, we've learned where the pitfalls are, we know the mistakes, we know the answers, and we're going to hand it over in a silver platter to the next generation, and they're going to take that and they're going to run with it, except they don't always. Right. Uh, I don't know how many times I've done the lecture you're talking about. You have to start caring. You are seniors or you are juniors in about six months. You have to, if you're going to go to a university college, you have to start um, sending in your, um, what do you call it? Uh, Application letters of application. I do. Yeah, that means you're probably supposed to know what school you want to go to within the next two months. Oh, uh, uh, I haven't even thought about it. Yeah, I know. That's kind of the problem here. So come on, come on, come on, get with it, get with it. And your mommy and your daddy shouldn't be doing this because you're all nearly a grown-up now. That's one of the, my favorite speeches. You know what? <laughs> you're nearly grown-ups. You, you are capable of fathering and bearing children now. And the truth is that, and this is something that always gets them, within two years, you could be married. Within two and a half to three, you could be moms and dads. And they all give me the shock look of, look at your age. And especially, you know, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to finish school yet. If you walk with Christ, good. If you fall into the ways of the world, that might not be exactly the way things go. Right. So adulthood is, is coming in on you fast. And some of you, how many of you uh, parents are going to kick out when you turn 18? Usually a couple of hands go up. Uh-huh. Aha. Running out of time. I remember asking one young man, he was just being really silly walking along through, uh, our chapel building, and I stopped him and said, you know, that was just silly. How long would you think it honestly would take you to get your act together, grow up and be ready to be a man? And he he, he heard me and he said, Well, um, I think I could pull it off in three years. This is like a junior. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Why aren't why don't you start today? And he had kind of a shock look on his face. Um, eventually he grew up but it took, I think, a little more than three years.
1: I see. So what do you think of, um, there's a trend, and this trend has a modern spokesman in Mike Rowe saying that high school graduates shouldn't automatically just consider going to college, that they might consider trade schools in terms of being prepared to earn a living, not that they can't also learn other things as they're doing that, but uh, not getting into debt and actually using skills that are necessary for society to continue, whether it's a plumber or a contractor or an electrician, things like that.
0: Uh, I agree to a point. Uh, I think there are a couple of things to be said here. Um, One, college is not what it used to be. I mean, on any level. Right now, uh, my youngest daughter has gone, she's in her second, I think, finishing her second year of college. She has yet to set foot on a college campus. She's had some good professors from what I can see, but it's all lectures online. There's a limited amount of actual interaction, which is what college should involve someone and, and what high school should involve. The reason you have a teacher is not just to be a conductor through books. Okay. you need to Turn to chapter three, begin reading, but someone who helps you understand the flow of arguments and how to think critically and how to, and for Christians certainly how does this compare with what the Bible tells us what theological doctrines are in play here? How does this reflect a pagan worldview? And at a college level, you, you want someone who will do that for you. My wife went to uh to Sacramento State and had a wonderful experience. Not to say that all her teachers were Christians by any means, but they knew how to teach, and she came out of it with a very high opinion of that college for that, not for everything they taught her. So what we're seeing is, and, and who knows what's going to happen before this is all done? College isn't college anymore. It's uh, it, it's online. I don't have a word for it. Fill in the blank. Circle the right answer, send in your things, we'll send you a diploma. If right. that's Plus, what college is, yeah. then it becomes a question of, okay, why are you doing this? If that's the best education you can get, all right, that's an answer. If it's, I need the diploma on the other end, you know, I already know half this stuff, but I need the diploma. All right, well, that's a thing, too. Sometimes getting certified is worth it. And then there are some professions that you need the educated. You're going to be a doctor, or a lawyer, or a dentist, or something like that. You're you, you're not going to do that online very well. Um, then the practicality of the others. Yeah, they're not only practical; they actually earn a lot of money. Generally, have you ever played a plumber?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, they 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 do well, and they are important and honorable callings. I am a little afraid of of the backlash of creating a new legalism. Before it was, well, you have to be college; or you're not worth anything. If I don't want it to become, well, now if you don't do something practical and hands-on, you're not really worth anything. What we need to tell our kids is God has a plan for you. And strangely enough, though, I'm your parent. I don't know what it is. I'm here to help you find it. I am going to help you think about you, uh, what you're good at, what you like. One of my wife's strongest uh, assertions is, or pieces of advice do study what you love. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy. And there's a lot of truth in that.
1: Oh, no, I agree. I agree. And
0: parents need to help students find that. Some people, you can look at some kids and say, you know what? You're you're done with the classroom. Uh, what works, The stuff we talk about is really important. You've observed some of it. Some of it went right over your head. That's okay. But yeah, uh, college is not for you. Trade school or, or apprenticeship or going right into the job market is the best move for you And yeah, it's gonna save you a lot of money. Now, as for the money thing, that's variable. I was just looking at an an old uh, thing in my economics files and said, here's how you should prepare for spending money for your kids in college. And I looked at the, I think it was 200,000, this was several years ago, $200,000 plus for college education. Um, uh, We paid, my wife and I paid like nothing for our kids' college education. Uh, One has finished UC Davis with a degree in medieval studies, the other, is working at Sac State on um, communication science and disorders. We haven't paid anything yet. She's had to pay a little. And she may have to, before she gets done with her master's, she'll probably have to pay a lot more. Our youngest daughter, yeah, nothing. There are programs, there are ways, there are things that really don't cost you a whole lot. If it had involved going into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, we would have handed our, our girls a lot of books and said, here, read these. Um, right. On the other hand, the education that our school provides has proved over and over again to be at least as good as a sophomore level junior, ho- junior college education, except in one or two technical classes. Uh, apparently, we're now matching the, the secular schools in chemistry pretty close in well, we're pretty close in almost everything, except maybe biology, because we teach it as a freshman class and we don't have lab facilities. Uh, teacher's great, though. So, uh, if what we want out of college, if what traditionally people wanted out of college was the ability to get the big picture on life, to see how Everything fits together within God's kingdom. The, uni- the idea of a university, unifying everything within the framework of God's word. More and more that can be done with a high school education if we're serious about it. We can't just let them play around and hope that's going to happen. But if we push them and we push ourselves to teach them, whether we're talking teachers or homeschool parents, we have to educate ourselves first. And right. I've seen both homeschool parents and I've seen Christian school teachers who not only don't, but don't really know there's anything to push to because they were educated in the public schools or in very weak Christian colleges. And sometimes just trying to say, yeah, the stuff I'm talking about should not be over your head. This should be basic. And if it's not, then we have a problem because you can't bring your students along any further than you are. You can point them. You can bring them to a point and point them beyond you, which is what all good teachers should do. Uh, I think it was, I don't remember if it was Russian or somebody else said, but the uh, job of the teacher is to make yourself obsolete. Right. And there's a lot of truth in that. I should be able to pass on what I know, or at least the bulk of it, to a point where the student can pick up and say, got it, now I'll run with it, and you turn to the next student. So if that's what we're looking for in a college education, college is not necessarily necessary, nor seminary, but nor Bible college. There are other ways of getting at it, starting with reading a lot of good books. And I think you, you and I could both name quite a few starting places, I will pick one, The Foundations of Social Order by R.J. Rush Duty. Yes. Uh, Any teenager who hasn't read that needs to. Absolutely.
1: And Uh, just as a plug... On my Calcedon Teacher Training Institute, I'm in the process of putting together um, a course specifically for that reason for high school students, and you've graciously said that we can use the study questions that you've prepared for your students over the years. Mm -hmm. And I think that if people understood church history, there would be a whole lot less confusion as to what should we be about as the Church of Jesus Christ.
0: Absolutely. Uh, when the church lives in the moment, it's no surprise that our kids live in the moment. Uh, we can't. The, the, there's no quick fix in terms of give me the 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 booklet that my kid can read in an hour's time that will completely turn around his worldview and get him thinking the way I want him to think. You, you can't do that. There's too much. There's it, even the base. I mean, you can you can take something simple like the Heidelberg Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Confession. Or, sure, a catechism. That, wonderful, absolutely profound statements of Christian doctrine. But to flesh it out and to apply it to all the things, that are, all the crazy things that are going around right now, that takes a teacher, whether the teacher is a classroom teacher or mom or dad at home. Someone's got to say, look, this is what this means for now. And Dr. Rushley's right. book on the creeds of the church is an excellent starting point. And for years, um, my students, uh, that was the one book they would remember, and then they would. Again, when they remembered back over the things they learned from our school, that was the book they pointed to. Uh, now there are other things that they're, that build on that that I've been able to do that they also appreciate. They, they love working their way through the entire Bible and seeing where it all comes from. So having the biblical theology, that is the history and literature of Scripture in order, side by side with systematics represented in the creeds of the Confessions of the Church, that's a powerful two-legged stance, The other leg of the stool would be faith in Christ. If there's no personal faith in Christ, then you got a problem. It can become Uh, very intellectual.
1: And I think it's true whether you're talking about a homeschool situation, Christian school situation, or even for those people who might be listening, for whatever their circumstances, whether they're a single parent and their child is in a state school, the parent has to understand the very things that we're talking about that students, high school students need to know. And so if your education was deficient, then there's nothing more important than making sure you understand what God requires of you. And without an understanding of history and without understanding of doctrine, you're very easy. It's very easy to say I'm doing fine and God's happy. But if you don't know the issues that, um, Two thousand years of Christendom have brought to light. Then I think you're kidding yourself.
0: Yeah, or just simply deceiving yourself, or letting others deceive you because you're ignorant. You you just don't know what's going on. I in in a lecture once upon a time to a, a group of they were mostly homeschoolers, but they were homeschoolers of particular theological men. So this is not a slam on homeschoolers. It's just this particular group. They they love the pilgrims. And all that—that—that that, that strand of American history. And you know, There's a lot in the Pilgrims to love, including the fact that they were Calvinists. I said that you know the Pilgrims were Calvinists, and the flack I got in return letters was, well, at least they—no, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> uh, I know the Pilgrims were not, good. and apparently they, even the leaders in this group for a long time did not know that the Pilgrims were Calvinists that John, the pastor, John Robinson actually wrote in defense of the Senate of Dort, which came up with the so-called five points of Calvinism, the counterpoints to the five points of Arminianism. But that's ignorance. How can you know the English Reformation and not know what the, what the pilgrims were all about and yet somehow value their courage and their faith and whatever, if you don't understand their basic theology?
1: Yeah. there,
0: There are many such things where people are extremely ignorant Uh, They look at, they've been told about the, again, Christian foundations of America. Well, there are some pretty profound Christian foundations to America, and there are some pretty profound humanistic foundations to America, too, and they have been at war from the beginning. And if you don't know that, if you idolize America, then it becomes God and country, which is not the gospel. Right. So there's lots and lots and lots to learn.
1: And I think that's exciting. You know, you have a whole lifetime to do it, but I think people have gotten lazy and I know um, when I was in school, it was not uncommon to not do the assignment to buy the cliff notes or mm-hmm. the study guides. And I think, you know, would William Shakespeare, would Charles Dickens, would Milton want people to read their work or the cliff notes? <laughs> and, you know, and <laughs> it, it just means that we become intellectually lazy at the same time people think we're so advanced.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I was talking to my kids after the, our, our production was over, and a few of them were saying, you yeah, know, my grandma has no idea. She came and saw the play. She has no idea what was going on. And um, some someone else, my parent, had actually read the synopsis ahead of time, and she didn't know what the plot was either.
1: Because and for those listening, formed... his school just put on A Midsummer's Night Dream by Shakespeare, so that's what he's referring to, oh, that yes, the exactly. audience didn't quite get it.
0: <laughs> well, some didn't get it those who are not used to it. And it was a wide, as far as I can tell, it wasn't just the younger generation. In fact, the kids from our school got it and laughed all the way through it. They thought it was hilarious. Did they get every nuance and think through everything? No, but at least now they've seen it. They know the jokes. They get the the, the, the flow of the thing. And if we want to sit down, if any of the teachers in Brit Lit or, or World Lit or anything want to sit down and say, okay, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Okay. They, they could follow it, but other people, oh, it's Shakespeare. It's too heavy for me. I don't really understand all those words. Okay, it's standard English. <laughs> and while a few phrases may be a little bit confusing, watch the action. You can probably figure out if you try. But again, intellectual laziness. Right. So in your mind, this is not, you're not watching television. There are going to be three syllable words involved. Uh, There is going to be uh, emotional relationships deeper than you're sleeping with your wife's brother's cousin. You know, it's going to, there's stuff that's happening here and a lot of it is fun and funny. Yeah. Uh, There are some high thoughts. It's not that hard to follow, but if you don't discipline yourself to reading hard things or watching difficult plays, just mature plays, mature television, mature movies, um, then you, you're going to be kind of dumb, <laughs> right? And uh, you, you have to decide that you don't want to be that. I think is the bottom line. You have to yeah. decide. I'm kind of dumb. I kind of there's stuff I don't know. And I really should. I am now going to make an effort to stop that. I'm going to read a book a month. I'm going to watch an old classic movie that everyone says is is meaningful and significant. I'm going to listen to some music that I can't necessarily snap my fingers to. And then I'm going to ask people about what they saw. If I don't get it, maybe somebody can tell me why this is so great. There are things you can begin to do as an uneducated adult to educate yourself. And there are books that are simpler that can help explain the difficult ones. And you start with the simple ones, and you read the next level up, and you read the next level up. And it may take a while, but, you know, in the next 20 20 years from now, you'll still be 20 years older what will? What else will you be? Will you be smarter? Will you be better educated? Will you know more? Will you see the world more clearly?
1: Right. So do you find in your school setting that you have parents who come to realize that what you're asking their children to learn, they don't know. Um, do they come and say, what should I be learning? Uh, do you find that it, sometimes it wets their appetite for improving themselves?
0: Certainly uh, in general. I would not say by any means that the majority make those deductions. Some are already there, but we get quite a few who over the years have said, wow, my kid's learning interesting things. I want to get, let me see a book. Wow. This is no, y'all you can do your homework later. I want to read this right now, uh, <laughs> Who actually get involved or they come to um, little conferences and lectures and things that we do on Christian worldview or what Christian education is about or courtship or marriage or, you know, whatever. And they begin to say, wait, this is not exactly what my church is teaching, or this is kind of in harmony with my church's teaching, but it's going in different directions that I've never heard of before. And some of them have come from different directions. I don't know how many people start by, for instance, listening to R.C. Sproul's um, ministry. Mm-hmm. And they and we find out, oh, you're not exactly Reformed Presbyterian Calvinist, but you like Sproul. okay. That's a starting point. We can talk about... You want to? Oh, you want to talk about the sovereignty of God. You want to talk about predestination. Oh, you, you heard a lecture on that, or you thought it was really biblical and great. Okay, good, wonderful. As opposed to those who think it's heresy. Um, yeah, so, yes, we certainly have had um, parents come. I've, I've had one or two over the years come and actually sit in my Bible class uh, or come to my summer enrichment classes because they, they enjoy this, And then they ask, and what should I read next? So it is a ministry to parents. too.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's an important ministry. And I, too few schools really pursue that. And I think then it's easy to say the teacher does all the work. The parent does all the work. It really should be a partnership.
0: Oh, absolutely. We, we're, we're there to teach, but we have to build on the foundation that's there. And when the child is not interested in learning right now for any of a number of reasons, Um, the parents need to be able to step in and try to figure out what's going on and and help. We can't, for instance, the kid's not doing homework. I'm sorry. I'm not at home with the kid. You are. Could you please do something about this? At least find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I can control the amount of homework to a certain extent, uh, but I can't make your child work. I also can't make your child listen at school. I can sit him in the front row, look him in the eyes, and occasionally ask him questions. But if he's checked out, if he resents this whole thing, there's a limitation here. Um, And so there's a spiritual problem. And then the third third thing you didn't mention is the church. This may be a time to take your your child by the ear to your pastor and say, uh, my son has a spiritual problem. Would you please talk to him for a while and see if you can figure out what's going on here? And of course, there's always the possibility that the kid simply says, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. I know I'm doing all this stuff. Okay. That's something we can't fix. And frankly, that's something parents can't fix, nor can the church fix. But at least we have spiritual tools that can begin a process that God may bless in his sovereign will.
1: And you can explain things. So I always would say, let me explain it correctly. If you reject it, then you've at least rejected the Orthodox faith. Right, exactly. Okay, and that's on you, and that won't be on me, but I'm not deficient in letting you know You're a sinner who needs salvation. You can't do it yourself and you'll never be good enough. So the answer is as it's laid out. And some people don't like that. Well, I can understand why they don't like that because without the Holy Spirit's prompting, who would like that? Right. Can you think of over the years that you've taught um, the students you've encountered who had this strong desire to learn that it was so exciting that they kept wanting you to give them more and more. And you were like, this is so unusual that someone's stretching me. I've had that a couple of times. Have you?
0: Well, at the risk of not sounding humble enough, I don't know that I've been stretched that much, but occasionally I've had to think about a couple things like, wow, that's a good question. Um, let me get back to you. Um, but has, is it rare? No, it's not rare at all. I can think just off the top of my head of a num- number of students. And young ladies make up a healthy healthy percentage. And some of them former homeschool students make up a very healthy percentage. You know, they started in school for the last year or two, of their parents wanted them in a normal, normal school, because they're gonna go on to college and they've never sat in a classroom before. I've had a number of, of kids like that and yeah, they get it. They're excited. They ask questions, they take notes. I had one year where some of my female students were keeping binders that correlated all of the classes we were taking and they were tabbed and color coded and highlighted in various colors with references to C systematics for continuation of this argument. It was just a delight in in learning and going the next step. And then I've had students who've gotten to to public schools, public colleges, and they come back and say, I lost my notes on, on uh, scriptures, the defense of scripture and such. Mm, could you send me a copy, please? Right. <laughs> or, or sometimes I get the, yeah, thank you for the, the systematics class, or thank you for biblical theology. I'm currently using it to lead a Bible class. In One case, I'm using it to, to lead a Bible class at West Point. No, Annapolis, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, um, do we get that? Yeah. Does every student come out that way? No, we're not magic. And I'm certainly not magic as a teacher. Some students go away really loving me in the school, but you know, their intellectual abilities don't go that far, but they're solid. They're going to be solid citizens, solid church members. They'll probably be, the boys will probably be deacons. The girls will probably be married to deacons or elders and be our pastors and, and be uh, good helpers and, and, and a lead in ministry of various sorts Uh, And that's fine. Uh, Not everybody has to be an intellectual. Not everybody has to know how to refute Plato. Uh, But a few people do. Some people have to pursue that course. And some people do need to be able to take the scripture dig deeply into it to take on the heresies of the day, which are the heresies of a thousand years ago. But, you know, they dress up.
1: Exactly. And I think everybody who bears the name of Christ has to be a teacher in some sort because you can't fulfill the great commission yeah. unless you know how to relate to people who need to hear the truth of scripture.
0: Absolutely, um, I'm thinking of a young man who was a good friend of ours family was, was, was the kind you were describing. They, they came out of a Pentecostal background, encountered the school began to love it, to get involved in everything to, uh, we had a home Bible study, they'd come faithfully, their son would come, and when when they were medical issues and other things kept them from coming, he kept coming really faithfully, and he was not an intellectual, he was not a straight-A student, he had learning disabilities, but he was faithful, he was honorable, and when he graduated and um, began to take a more active part in his school life as an adult, there, there was a point where they were having a church meeting, and all the all the men in the church were breaking up into tables to decide what they were going to do. And at his table was the committee for something. And he looks around, and none of the men are taking a lead. They're not doing anything. So he just grabs some paper and says, okay, first thing we need is a task map. Now, how are we going to do And he begins laying out what he'd been taught at <laughs> school to do, uh, begins sharing a meeting. And he's like 18 or 19. Um, and again, not... An intellectual, but a good, faithful young man who picked up some practical skills from us, and had no problem putting them into effect because he he was honorable and hardworking and responsible. And you know, you look at a kid like that, you say, "We can't, we can't ask for anything better than this." He loves Jesus, and he puts it into practice.
1: And I'm not sure that, um, into being an intellectual, apart from being someone faithful, is all that beneficial. Yeah. And- you know so i i think that there i've discovered that people get a lot more than you think they get if yes. if what they want to do is apply the faith as opposed to show off how much they know about the bible
0: right yeah there is a danger of creating the show off sometimes you have to gently slap them down like no you're showing off let's talk about how you live this one
1: right yeah i've actually when i had been in um co-op situations. After I ran out of kids to homeschool, I made my services available to other homeschool families and we do various things. And there was two young men, they were brothers, very smart, very well um, educated from their church in terms of biblical worldview. But there was this arrogance and I had such fun showing them that they didn't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) And To this day, and now we're talking 15 years have gone by, when I run into this man, he still says, you know, you were one of my best teachers ever. And (laughs) it was like a 10-week course because I just didn't let him get away with thinking that being better than everyone else meant anything to God.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, Greg, you have a podcast that you do. Um, Tell us about that.
0: Well, you were talking about what our students took, take away sometimes. Two of our former students, who weren't at... I think they were at school maybe briefly at the same time, or maybe not at all. I'm not sure. But they somehow they, they got together, probably on the internet the way everybody does. And they fell in love and married each other. And they're both very godly young people and, and, and intellectual after fashion. He uh, worked for the NSA... Uh, and did some kind of secret computer stuff, and she went to Hillsdale, which is a pretty prestigious libertarian school and uh, but as they as they began to live out their married life together, they kind of missed what they had at our school and they found some of my recorded lectures for history and theology and such online, and they listened to them all in fact, the young man had helped us set them up when he was still at school, so he knew they were there and they were, but they ran out eventually and said. We need, to, we, need to, we need to get him to do more. What if we did a podcast with him? And they came to me and said, how about this? And at first I think I probably said, what's a podcast?
1: <laughs> that um, would be like you. What's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but um, I had written, a, I'd ghost written a series of articles for our friend Bill Hyde that kind of worked through the Old Testament histories with an eye to sociology, politics, themes of liberty, identity, community, and things like this. And I said, all right, you don't know exactly what you want to do. I have this already, I have a series of basically lectures, articles already laid out. Why don't we just talk about them? And we said, cool. And they got together all the technical side. And the young lady, whose name was Emily Maxson, plays host. At least she did until she had her baby. And then she's, right now she's taking a break. Um, and then we invited some other people on now and then. Right now, uh, a young man named Brian Broom, also one of our students, who's playing host. And we ju- we talk, and the, the articles provide a basis, but we just talk about theology and politics and education and literature and pop culture. Um, but the the assumptions are creedal Christianity, like the Christianity of Nicaea and Chalcedon. Mm -hmm. That's a starting point. And then we give a healthy nod to the Westminster Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and such, the Theology of the Reformation.
1: And what's the name of the podcast? It is called Halting
0: Toward Zion, and it is a play on words that almost nobody gets. Um, There is uh, a poem by Yeats where he speaks of this, what rough beast is our come come round at last, is slouching toward Bethlehem to be born, a prophecy of his Antichrist. Well, slouching toward Bethlehem. Um, how about limping toward Zion? But to use an Old Testament phrase, uh, Jacob, when he was done wrestling with God, halted on his leg as he continued to walk with God. The church limps to victory. We don't, we don't run it in our own strength. We don't have any strength. We are cripples. But God uses cripples. God uses those who halt. He uses the lame and the blind the week of this world to accomplish great things. And the goal is Zion, the new Jerusalem, the kingdom of God manifest in all of culture and all of life, both now and ultimately beyond the resurrection, Jesus returns. So that's the idea. We're halting along, talking about stuff that we hope is important and and stuff we hope that will grab the attention, the interest of a certain kind of audience. It's obviously not for everybody, but...
1: Is it a weekly podcast, a monthly podcast? Yes. Very good. And then you mentioned that um, someone found some of your other recordings online. Um, are those available for? I imagine.
0: <laughs> okay. I have looked at a long time, but if you type in my name and type in world history or theology, I suspect they'll come up. I think you have to pay like a dollar for each one. And okay. I think that some of them are not in great shape. Well, dear lady in our church who was fighting cancer. Um, listen to them. I think she went through all of them and even made a list of the ones that were, there, there were like two or three that weren't listenable, but she didn't seem to mind too much. She she liked what the, what the rest of them said. So it's there. I, I'm not particularly pushing it. If these were things that come out of, they they were recordings of my high school lectures. Right. So you, you'll hear students talking and interacting and asking questions. So if you just want a taste of what it might be like, spend a buck or two and see what you can find.
1: And I think this would be the answer for people who said, I want to know more. I want to know what my, what I should have learned. And, uh, it might be the sort of thing that in a homeschool setting, parents and students can sit down together and, um, you know, go through a book, go through a course, go through a recording, and then discuss it. That's what my Calcedon Teacher Training Institute's about, going through Dr. Rush Juni's books, listening to corresponding lectures, and then I prepare questions to think about so that yeah. you can have a discussion. Because if you can't apply the faith and you just leave it in an abstraction or something in your head, then that's not doing what we've been called to do. Exactly. All right. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that after all these years, you haven't thrown in the towel and said, I'm done with high school students. You it know, like- I
0: like high school students. My wife likes junior high students. We make a good team in that respect. They're young people. And uh, parting word, they're people. And one of the biggest mistakes I've seen, Christian educators and other others who come from out of Christian ministry and come into teaching think they're going to they're going to do great things if you don't think they're people you got a problem if you don't think they're human souls you have a problem you're not going to accomplish very much
1: that is so true we are
0: with all of our flaws and all of our sins but we have a greater responsibility and we it's our job to help them see their responsibility and that was that involves some humility it certainly involves a sense of proportion and a sense of
1: humor okay well very good those are good parting words Listeners, if you have any questions about anything that we discussed today, suggestions for future podcasts, you can reach me at outofthequestionpodcast at gmail.com. Greg, thank you.
0: Thank you, Andrew. It's good to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.